0: Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito
1: to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd,
0: 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of The Only Podcast. I am your co-host, Austin Smith. Joined, as always, by your other co-host, John Kirby. You can catch us on Twitter at ACSmith06 and at John underscore Kirby. And as always, follow the mothership at The Only Colors. Today, when you are listening, is Wednesday, April 29th, and there's still no sports. But some sports kind of happened.
1: Kinda. Kind of. We're going to talk about the things that kind of happened.
0: Yeah. I mean, at this point, that's kind of kind of all we have is stuff that happened that will affect things that hopefully happened in a few months, right? Huh? I'm in. I'm taking. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll take it. To... Future yeah. us got had a big win this past weekend with the NFL draft happening.
1: Oh God, we needed it,
0: man. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was very fun. Um, what I mean, there were some some highlights, some lowlights. We saw some Michigan State Spartans get taken um do you think we should start there john or do you want to do basketball first Mm, let's talk hoops okay we'll start with the hoops the favorite child as always on this podcast so a couple other big happenings in the basketball world both with uh players joining the team players maybe not joining the team and players leaving the team let's start uh with the maybe leaving portion um this past weekend Aaron Henry, sophomore, rising junior, um, put his name into the NBA draft with uh, the opportunity to come back. Important clarification. He did not sign an agent Um He is going through the draft process. There were uh, a couple interesting articles written. Uh, John, I know you wanted to talk about one written by Brendan Quinn specifically that kind of detailed his decision making. But we, I mean, I know we've talked about it a lot here, but um, what were your main takeaways from that decision?
1: I think it's the smartest thing anyone can do. Um, I would recommend to my kid, regardless of basketball skill, to talk to. If someone was giving out free advice and and what they need to what a kid needs to work on to break into the field that they want to break into, you need to take that advice. There's there's no downside. I mean, none like you. you, I don't see why anyone would not do this if they could, Um, you know, and he's probably going to hear a lot of things that he's already heard from the Michigan State coaching staff. But maybe here's some things, um, some different stuff too. Um, but I kind of liken it to, you know, when a parent tells a kid over and over the same thing and it, it doesn't click, but mm-hmm. then if a teacher or an uncle or another adult says the same thing, all of a sudden it's like, oh, I do need to work on my three-point shooting. Like right. maybe that's the thing, who knows? And it's not to say that Aaron Henry has like fought um, anything that the, Michigan State coaching staff has tried to teach him, but just sometimes hearing it from a different voice, I think, can be extremely helpful. I mean, what do you think?
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I'm right there with you, basically, along that exact same line of thought. Um, I mean, I, I think we've said it kind of time and time again, whether it pertains to MSU or another school. I think if these guys have the opportunity to, you know, go get some potentially really valuable feedback from pros who are these potential future employers of theirs. Um, they'd be foolish not to do it. Uh, to to your point, I I think um, Henry, you know, if it's up to me, like obviously as a as a fan, partially you know biased here, but he probably needs a little more seasoning. I mean, like you said, the three point stroke isn't you know the the prettiest thing in the world right now, and I think. You know, his draft stock, you know, it's funny because sometimes you see a kid. I remember back in the day with Tyler Hansbro, Um, obviously was, you know, first team All-American, unanimous, everything. Um, but after I think it was his sophomore year, you were kind of like, OK, how much higher can this kid's stock really go? And if he had left, you know, you're, you're kind of like, you know, what's what's the point in staying? You're probably going to be what you're going to be no matter what. I don't think that's really the case for aaron henry here i mean i think there is a, a tremendous amount of room for him to approve. and i'm sure that he his coaches his family would probably all agree with that so um i think he has a lot to gain by coming back but that that being said i think there's also a tremendous amount to be gained like i said by by it's like an interview like if yeah. you are offered an interview by a company that even if you aren't interested in working for that company like you should still take the interview because you, you it, it's, it's a practice opportunity uh, for what you're hoping is your future career. So I think Aaron would is smart to do what he's doing. Um, and I'd probably tell, you know, anybody that is in his shoes to do the same thing.
1: So here's some more info on that. Uh, Sunday uh, was the deadline for early entry candidates to submit their names um, through this process. The NCA deadline to withdraw is June 3rd. Um, it's unclear if the NBA draft will actually be held on June 25th. Okay. Um, probably going to be similar to what we just saw at the NFL draft. Um, that said, you know, Henry did apply and has received a report from the NBA undergraduate advisory committee. These guys are unbiased. They don't right. care. They have nothing to gain from Aaron Henry's, future choices their evaluation was underwhelming um that's according to Aaron Henry's dad um who it should be noted he wants Aaron Henry to come back to Michigan State that said I don't think it's maybe as 100% lock that he does does maybe people think now I do think he'll come back but I don't think it's as like crystal clear as maybe people are putting out because I think there's one thing to consider. It's not, it's not an incredibly strong draft class. Mm -hmm. And you know, I guess the question that Aaron Henry has to ask himself, or maybe if he can ask this advisory committee is if I put another year on my life, how many, what is the equivalent of points per game or three point percentage improvement or awards needed to be won to really ensure I'm a first-round pick. Because as we know damn well, there is just a real soft spot from NBA GMs on upside versus what what you know. And Aaron Henry is going to... Sometimes playing more can hurt you because then people know exactly what your weaknesses are. And the upside quote unquote, disappears and your age becomes a detriment to you, which is unfair, Mm -hmm. but it's just reality.
0: Yeah, I think that that's it's funny. It kind of ties in with the the NFL draft um, a little bit and you can overexpose yourself. There's absolutely something to be said for the timing of when you go into the draft. But I think there's also something to be said for um, kind of where he fits in and just knowing what teams typically look for at the point in which he'd be drafted. So when you break down the NBA draft, it, it always historically, you know, you've got the lottery, you've got the teams, you kind of break it down in almost by like one through 14 lottery, kind of 15 through 22, 23 is another set, like archetype people typically draft for, end of the first round is another, and then second round is anybody's guess and really at this point you probably don't look at Aaron Henry and think he's not a lottery pick obviously lottery is high upside high super high potential that 14 to 22ish range is maybe a higher end and higher polished guy like somebody with very few weaknesses somebody you don't have to wait a long time for and then mm-hmm. when you get into the back half of the first round you're talking about the really good teams the teams that maybe don't need immediate help exactly. so are more like yeah so they're more likely to take risks on a uh a really um to use a baseball term toolsy prospect somebody like like i think a thon maker even though he was draft overdrafted higher like you're taking a guy like that because you know he can sit for a little while now it'll be interesting to see whether i, I think there's an argument to be made that aaron henry is a very toolsy prospect where if he gets that three-point shot ironed out i mean this kid can guard one through four in the nba pretty effectively um, and could probably help defensively relatively fast. But um, I guess it boils down to... It. Well, the other thing that's important in the NBA is if you don't get drafted in the first round, you don't get a guaranteed contract. Well, you that's are not the biggest piece. to have a contract.
1: That's the biggest piece. So Aaron Henry, <clears throat> for all intents and purposes, is not going to be drafted in the first round. It's just not yes. happening. Um, Xavier Tillman, he's on the border. And... You know that's where he has the decision. Do I? There's just a really big, really big difference between that guaranteed money and I think last year the last pick in the first round had just under 1.7 million guaranteed, and in the first round of the second draft, it's just a different story. And like, yeah. <laughs> that's a risk. Talk to Deonta Davis about that. You know, like that—that—that okay. that, that is a real, real thing. Um, you know, and that's what Xavier Tillman is, is weighing, you know, in his decision in my head, because of that scenario we just talked about, that's why his is so hard.
0: Yeah, I I agree with that. If you're flirting with the edge, uh, it's a tough place to be as an NBA draft prospect, I'm sure. Um, and I think that's kind of where Aaron Henry finds himself And and like, I'll also say that I don't think he has necessarily like it. I, like i i think he has i don't really know how to say it like he he's the type of kid who needs to come back He's the type of kid who has clearly progressed kind of from year 1 to year 2 and just needs another year of seasoning now he has to decide whether he is okay with like Nick Ward think about Nick Ward like Nick Ward probably knew he wasn't going to get drafted but he still went to the end still went to the draft anyway because he wanted to start making money so it really boils down to Aaron Henry's priorities And how influential his parents are in his decision-making. I mean, if his family is, you know, really helping him make this decision, it sounds like uh, his, you know, dad wants him to go back to school. So that might factor in. Regardless, you can't fault him for wanting to find out as much as possible. And if he goes, you know, you just have to tip your cap and, and wish him the best because he's, you know, like we've said so many times on this podcast, like, you only have so long to make money in the nba in any professional sport and you, so you can't really fault a kid for wanting to do that
1: you know what's interesting is you know you look back on that that class of kids that came in the uh i guess it would have been the 2018 class and aaron henry was the last least regard, nice. you know, her the ranked guy and yeah it's crazy you know and, and you know i don't know if you could have you looked at any of those guys that came in um, in that class and Foster, Gabe Brown, Aaron Henry, Thomas Kithier and Marcus Bingham. The only one that there was any real NBA talk around was Marcus Bingham. And yeah. and, and you know, because of his what he could a lot of people thought he could become, which he still can, by the way. Um, but I think it's, you know, it's just like kind of surprising, but also just how telling every year can be so different from the year before Aaron Henry, you know, the last pickup in the class and, you know, a 150th or so ranked kid or something, and is now an NBA on the NBA mock boards, you know, that's pretty great. Um, But I just kind of mentioned that because both one, wow, and two, every year is different. You never know who's going to make the jump. So
0: Yeah. And you just got to trust that you're, I mean, I think Michigan state's in a special position here because they can trust that their coaches can develop talent as good or better than, than anybody else. So um, while Henry is, you know, we're not sure where that's going to end up. I think, uh, you know, you got to wish him well regardless. So um, it'll be very interesting to see how this all plays out. But he uh is is not the only person in the news for Michigan State basketball. Um, additionally, I guess well, let's see here. let's let's talk about Kareem Maine because we talked about him the time uh, last time as probably the last big name on the board uh, for Michigan State from a recruiting perspective in this class. so um, so go uh, ahead.
1: yeah, here here's a there's a wild amount of scenarios. We talked about this before. But MSU has currently 12 scholarships taken, okay? 13 scholarships if uh, Josh Langford does come back. They'd have a full team, and Xavier Tillman comes back, and Aaron Henry comes back. That's nice. 13 guys. That's the team. That's a lot. So, a So, while I think that's an unlikely scenario, I think that probably you got to think is the scenario that if you asked Izzo what he wished could happen for next year's team, that's what he'd want, right? Oh, hundred percent. Like put aside, like he obviously wants these kids to play well in the NBA, but that's what he would want. If that, you know, when and if that doesn't happen, let's say the most likely scenario is Xavier Tillman uh, takes off or Josh Langford doesn't return that scholarship there is a scholarship or two available and kareem main is on the board now that five-star combo guard has noted this past week that he sent in his paperwork for the um to be considered for the nba draft probably going to be one of those more likely a g-league route um and you know weirdly i have a a lot of people thought or maybe had a take that he was for sure not coming to Michigan State. I, I read that and did not feel that way. No, you know, the quotes I want to focus on are, I sent in my paperwork, but I'm keeping my options open as far as college. I'm not planning on hiring an agent right now. I want to hear directly from, it, from teams. If I can get a guarantee I'll be drafted, I will probably need to think about staying in. Okay. That tells me, one, he just wants feedback. The feedback's going to be hard because he doesn't have a lot of like tape against elite talent. Mm -hmm. So you got to, even if he's looking for, so he's not in the Xavier Tillman boat of maybe wanting to find out if he's a first round guy. He's just wanting to know if he would get guaranteed money or just a contract period. So a second round pick, it's tough for me to see even a really smart organization like the Spurs or something taking a risk like drafting a guy that frankly not a lot of people know too much about um for me that's a big big jump so i don't know i think a lot of people heard his quotes or a few others and thought ah he's for sure gone i don't think so yeah i
0: think i think because this came on the heels of the isaiah todd uh all of that happening that probably is part of the reason why people jump to that conclusion Mm -hmm. i mean and the fact that like very simply this guy's quite good and he is the type of toolsy player that you know kind of fits into that end of the first round mix more often than not um and like you said it's not a particularly you know name-filled class at this point so you could see that but i think where you're right is that there's not a, there's a lot of unknown. And I really think that the whole COVID situation is going to play into his decision-making here. If I was a betting man, um, just because teams aren't going to get to really work them out or at that's least I mean. not a lot. And that's kind of the biggest key here. And and it's not just individual workouts. Like there's more to these private workouts where they'll go up against like elite prospects will square up against other elite prospects. Right? And exactly. for a guy like Kareem Maine, I mean, That, to me, is the prime opportunity to prove that you deserve to be taken in a very crowded part of a middling draft. So uh, he's not going to get that chance. And that, uh, again, whether he comes to Michigan State or not, completely different question. But I don't I would agree with you, John. I don't necessarily think he's locked into going pro. I wouldn't I wouldn't say that's a foregone conclusion based on the way that he phrased what he what he said. So you and he's know, smart. Again, sorry, yeah. sorry, I cut you off. But again, it's it's a it's a very similar situation to Henry. Go get the feedback. I would, I would, I don't. You can't possibly fault him for doing that.
1: And it's and it's harder to provide that feedback, I imagine, when you know <laughs> the advisory committee is like, okay, we're watching you play against um, these Canadian college teams and right. Which is not a knock on them at all. There's some amazing talent coming out of Canada and, you know, lately. A lot. But I don't think it's even close to the level of saying, Aaron Henry, we watched you play a Big Ten schedule. I know exactly. Like, that's a much easier evaluation,
0: right? Well, I think for, you know, right or wrong, there are scouts that are always going to favor and organizations frankly that are always going to favor somebody that played collegiate u.s collegiate basketball over somebody that played overseas this i don't think it's gonna and overseas or or not in the u.s i suppose but um it, it's always going to exist and i think in this you know right or wrong i think we've seen so much success come from international but uh you know under these circumstances kareem's Facing a, an uphill battle, I would say, to get drafted. But I can't fault him for going about it the way that he is.
1: Well, and, and I would just add on, like, <laughs> these are people's jobs are on the line to get these decisions correct. Like, when right. you draft someone, like, your job's on the line. That that works out. That's a bet you've made on the future of your organization, right? Uh, your name's attached. To yeah, it's easier to make a bet on something, like, that's safer than when then maybe you know a reach or some, on someone you don't have a ton of tape on so yep. you know just just a consideration
0: yes so we've had a departure we have a potential arrival uh and on top of all of that we have an actual arrival uh detroit shooting guard question mark uh big guard um pierre brooks the second committed to be a part of Michigan State's 2021, is it 2021 yeah, recruiting class? Wow, I feel old. Um, John, I know you and I were both really excited about this and, and what it says about uh, the future of the program.
1: Yeah, man, this guy—he's um, just—you watch the one declara- you know, declaration video, and you're just like, man, this guy is. This guy gets it. I mean. This dude went to the steps of St. Cecilia gym in Detroit. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, if you don't if you're unfamiliar with with that, that is like holy hoops ground in Detroit. And anyone who's anyone for the past probably God, how many decades back has gone and played there. That's where you that is where the legends of Detroit hoops have played And so he gets that, like he, by doing his, his um, homage, I mean, doing it there, that is like, that just like, man, this guy gets it. And um, I think it's a huge pickup um, for a couple different reasons. One, he's a really solid player, put that to the side. It was the first head to head recruiting battle between Izzo and um, in state new in state uh, head coach, Juan Howard. That's a big deal, whether you whether you are a Michigan fan that wants to admit it or not. I mean, it's a head-to-head recruiting battle, and, and the kid picked Michigan State. We'll get mm-hmm. into a couple of the others that are still on the board, but anytime you get an in-state kid, you know, that matters. Just like it mattered when Brandon Johns Jr. picked Michigan. Um, you know, there's there's just a level, you know, it worked out for Michigan State, but there's always that extra uh, top dog mentality um, when you get 100%. a kid like this. Um, and also, um, playing in the public school league, um, this kid has played some fierce competition. Um, and I think he's going to be, I think this is like, I'm getting way ahead of myself, but this is like the exact Spartan blueprint. I mean, this is a four-year guy who's going to contribute his freshman year, but we're going to watch him evolve and grow so frickin' much.
0: Yeah, uh, I I totally agree. I I totally agree with you for, you know, kind of going back to the beginning. I think you can think about what it means both tangibly and intangibly. Tangibly, you got the best player in the state for your class um, until Imani Bates reclassifies, obviously, but For now, you've got it's always good, no matter what, no matter what state you're in, no matter what coach you are, how long you've been around, you always want to get the best player, players in your state. And getting Pierre Brooks, Michigan State did that. Go even more micro than that. You got the best player in Detroit, which is the I mean, probably the most fair, true, probably the only real battleground in the state of Michigan when it comes to Michigan and Michigan State recruiting. I mean, MSU's got Flint. Locked down, I would say. Um, and uh, I know Michigan does a little better in some other places as well. But, you know, to get a kid head to head, like you said, going against and recruiting, Juwan Howard coming in, selling, being the cool guy, the, you know, Fab Five, all of that, to still have Izzo come in and, and get that his guy, I think says, says you know, kind of everything you need to know at this point. Um, I think that all of those intangibles are, it's, it's tough to really quantify how much that means. Um, I think what he's going to bring from a recruiting perspective is a huge deal, too. There's guys like Jaden Akins that play in the Detroit, I believe, plays in the same Detroit league. Um, And if you get the alpha dog in his class, other guys that are really good are going to want to come and join him. So I I love that. And then we talk about the actual player. I mean, I think there's as much to be excited about here as any guy in Michigan State, you know, five stars like Miles Bridges and Jaron excluded, probably. Um, He's as exciting a prospect as, as I can see because Michigan State's gone in a while, I liken him. First of all, I don't know how he's ranked in the hundreds. I mean, just in, again, I'm not really. A, I don't go to these games. Obviously, don't watch AAU or anything like that. But just in watching the highlight reels that I did, and again, I know they're highlight reels. This kid's really impressive. Either there's a hundred really good high school basketball players in America, or this guy is is a bit underrated at this point in time. So um, he's a power wing, I think. Uh, it's Funny, I've seen a couple different comparisons. I personally, I and Colton uh, Pouncy agreed with this, which made me feel smart. Um, but he reminds me of Denzel Valentine, uh, but in a little bit of a bigger, more much certainly more mature physically at this point in his career than, than Denzel was coming into college. Um, he's creative he's got a really like natural passers touch, which I think is super exciting because MSU loves those second. I mean, we've seen the value of it time and time again, maybe even the value when you don't have it of a secondary ball handler who can not only create for himself, but create for others. And this is, that's the type of guy that I, I think Pierre Brooks is. And that's the type of dynamic he's going to bring um, to Michigan state kind of from day one. I don't know that he's some a super explosive athlete, but he's a, big kid already somebody i saw compared him to a lamar stevens but more of a guard Mm. after watching lamar stevens the last four years that is if you're even close to that that's a heck of a player to get so um i love that I, i love you know he's got a good looking stroke so i really love the fact that he can already shoot it a little bit All in all, it is uh, as close to a home run as as you're going to get. And I love that it happened this early in the recruiting cycle, too. It's going to give Izzo a chance to get out in front of some of these other big name players. I mean, kids like Max Christie, who Doug Christie, for those of you uh, in my same our same age demo, uh, might remember Doug Christie, his son is a a five star, super high profile recruit um, that MSU is very much in on. Uh, this sends a message to a lot of guys like that. So it's, it's very, very exciting.
1: So um, Pierre Brooks, you know, it's our job to help come up with some nicknames here. I, <laughs> I did a little, threw a few, uh, you know, weather balloons, test balloons out there to see if anything hit. I think the return was the Eiffel rifle. Um, oh man,
0: worked I like that.
1: The best with, uh, I'm all in on this kid i don't believe has any french heritage maybe he does um Doesn't but matter. he is he is the frenchman as far as i'm concerned with a name like pierre
0: if he was a little doughier i'd call him the baguette but I, don't, I think he's already maybe that or the um the croissant like when well, he crosses the, MSU, the, guy up the, the croissant cross
1: the msu baguette boys came through uh <laughs> to land this kid um, yeah, yes, they did. You mentioned Jaden Akins. Uh, I'm just looking at future prospects. Um, these are guys that MSU has offered, but uh, you know we don't usually talk about guys with offers. But um, I think you mentioned him and, and Kobe Buffkin, a kid from Grand Rapids, yep. is another um, high-profile kid that Michigan has also offered. But you mentioned him, uh, Bates we'll see if he reclassifies this is this is like basically changes the entire outlook of college basketball not just michigan Mm -hmm. state's roster or the big 10 like if bates plays college basketball and reclassifies i don't want to say i don't want to get like too crazy but this this is like this would be the biggest recruit not just in Michigan State history, but maybe one of the all-time
0: recruits. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're talking about what would uh, – I mean, for those of you who are, again, in, in our age bracket, you might remember how Harrison Barnes went into college, ranked uh, – he was a freshman. He was an All-American. Preseason All-American as a true freshman. Had never played a game of collegiate basketball and was already a part of that. Now, whether he lived up to the billing or not, you know, Probably not, but he was still pretty damn good. That's the type of hype that Imani Bates is going to get. If you remember, the only player I can think of when I watch him play is Kevin Durant. And he's 16. And to have that mature of a skill set, I mean, you're talking about a kid who has come out and said, if I can go to the NBA, I'll go to the NBA. And nobody, not a single person. Batted an eyelash when he said that. Everyone's like, "Well, yeah, obviously." He does. No one even expects him to play four years of high school because there's just no point. He's, he's for all intents and purposes, right now, he's listed as the number one prospect in the 2022 class. He will not be in that class. There's no chance in the world he will be in in that class. He will either reclassify and go into the NBA draft, or he'll reclassify and go to your in college, G League somewhere else. This kid's not going to spend his time playing high school basketball. He's going to get to the pros as quickly as he can. And the reason being is you're talking about a guy who I think if you t- polled, you know, NBA scouts, I've read articles where they say he can go get 15 points a game now as a 16 year old. Hey, if think he about plays at Michigan State, you're talking about a a Carmelo Anthony-esque situation.
1: So, so the closest I can truly compare him to, and I'm and I'm on the recruiting, you know, ranking sites now. There have only been a couple guys who have ever received a 1.0000 ranking meaning like there's no nothing lebron james okay <laughs> yes i think that's the list he also you know, dwight howard also Fair. had that ranking um i think the best way to to the best comparison i can give is not even a basketball one the kid is so good at basketball right now that, as you mentioned, it's pointless for him to play even with kids older than him. Right. Um, <laughs> if he joined the grade above him, he's still easily the number one best player. So think about that. Like, think about when you <laughs> were in high school and you were like, and if you were the best player in your conference as a junior, that was incredible. He's the best player in the country as a junior. And then, take a step for the non-basketball comparison. Do you remember when swimmer Olympian Katie Ledecky was at the Olympics?
0: hmm
1: She had to go back and play high, do high school swimming. <laughs> it, was, it was literally, Comical. it was literally pointless. Like it was a waste of time, but she had nowhere else to do her competitiveness until she got to college. And that's essentially the That's the bait situation right now. So, um, you know, he he's quite good. Um, we'll see how it. You a know, that's, that's not a guarantee. He'll be an NBA All Star by any stretch, but he this guy has been talked about for a very very long time. And for all intents and purposes, Michigan State appears to be the
0: leader in the clubhouse. If he were to well, the play. only thing, let's not. We've been the leader in the clubhouse before. Sure, I'm trying. It's taking everything in my power to not just get beyond excited about what that what that could hold. But I think we need to concentrate on the on the. You know, there's certainly potential here. I mean, Pierre Brooks would look pretty damn good alongside of Monty Bates. I think he's going to look good either way. So, um, well,
1: that's and that's it it is a possibility though. (laughs) We talked about this on about this on last week's podcast. It's so important to have. Plans beyond Plan A. Pierre Brooks, in every other year, is a Plan A. This oh, yeah. year was sort of like he. The class remains really solid if you get guys like Pierre Brooks. The, yep. The class becomes elite with a guy like uh, Monty Bates.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, you could just get in Monty Bates, and you have an elite recruiting class. I mean, it's yes. he's that good. Correct. So. But.
1: We'll wax poetic about him for the next oh
0: I don't know forever two two calendar years yeah uh, cool. and and I also want to go on the record that if for some reason well not for some reason if he goes to the NBA straight out of high school um, I'm counting him as a Spartan sure he's attending take, games yeah oh I'm I'm taking he's full green there is there will be no con, no convincing me otherwise.
1: There are crystals so in on him to go to Michigan State.
0: That's rude of those people to do, <laughs> personally, I think. Because what you're doing to my hopes and dreams is really it, it, it could be disastrous. I don't Absolutely like it. Disastrous. I don't yeah. like it. I don't like it at all. because um, we don't like good right. things. They scare us. This is a fact. Expectations, they are no fun. Um, All right, cool. So how about some other stuff that actually happened? The NFL draft Um, this past weekend, like we said, was some almost sports, which is better than no sports. Uh, A lot of players, 255 to be exact-ish, got drafted, including two Michigan State Spartans, um, Josiah Scott and Kenny Willikus. Josiah Scott going in the fourth round to the Jacksonville Jaguars and uh, where I believe he joins Darquez Denard. If I'm not mistaken. Uh, Am I wrong? I could be wrong. I think you're wrong. Uh, I could be wrong. I mean, it wouldn't be the first time. Uh, And then Kenny Willekes gets drafted by the Minnesota Vikings in one of their 375 draft picks that they had this past weekend, uh, picked in the seventh round. Um, John, we talked last week. We said over under two and a half. Unfortunately, the under hit.
1: I'll never apologize <laughs> for taking the over.
0: Yeah, you shouldn't. I think we both kind of agreed that we we thought the that MSU would get more than just those two, but kind of similarly to how the NBA draft works, the NFL draft works a similar way, where if after kind of the fifth round or so, you really just draft based on athletic profile, um, while Kenny is certainly an exception to that, uh, you know, Minnesota had a billion picks, and and I think he was just beyond a no-brainer at that point in the draft, but I I think those fits are pretty interesting. Um, Josiah Scott, I think is kind of a a tailor-made nickel corner and, you know, a slot corner. And he landed in a situation where he's now on a team that, yes, they drafted CJ Henderson, the other cornerback from uh, Florida in the first round, but uh, they lost AJ Bouye and Jalen Ramsey, two really good starting corners uh, last year. And so the opportunity is certainly there for, for Josiah, which is uh, all you can really ask for is a fourth round pick.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, I th- I'm thinking they maybe landed in some some good spots for them. You mentioned Kenny. Does he ultimately make the the roster? Who knows? Um, Kirk Cousins certainly could put in a good word and that wouldn't hurt. Uh,
0: I, I okay, don't know. Hold I mean, on. Real quick, real quick, real quick. Darquez Denard was supposed to be a Jag. He was supposed to be a Jaguar, and they pulled his contract. I was going
1: to say, he's a free agent, I think. But, yeah. Yeah,
0: he was supposed to. Carry on.
1: Um, So these two guys drafted, really proud of them. Um, So awesome. And and keeps the 80-year streak of uh, MSU picks to the NFL alive. There were um, seven guys that did get um, picked up by teams to at least uh, try out with them. Um, Raekwon Williams to the Eagles Joe Bocci to the Saints Brian Lewerke to the Patriots Cody White to the Chiefs Daryl Stewart to the Packers Tyler Higbee to the Vikings and Mike Panishup to the Las Vegas Raiders why don't you rank in order for me guys you think have the most likely
0: chance to make a roster in order All right. Um, ooh, interesting I think The most likely to me is probably Joe Bocci. Um, I think he was the most draftable prospect aside from the two guys that got taken and New Orleans never seems to prioritize. I don't know. I feel like they don't prioritize defense or like undrafted guys make a difference there a lot. I could be totally off on that, but I think Joe Bocci has a shot at making that team. Um, The next one's probably Daryl Stewart, which is funny because He's uh, he's probably the fifth most draftable of the guys who didn't get taken, but he landed in such a good situation with the Green Bay. Green Bay, a team that it was funny, if you follow the draft and kind of what the storylines were, you figured this would be a team that would take a receiver probably early uh, to help Aaron Rodgers into his twilight years. And instead, they went the complete opposite direction and seemingly uh, drafted his replacement in Jordan Love, a guy who we saw tear us apart. Um, which was yeah. interesting. Uh, I was fond memories, fond memories. Um, and so I think Stewart and not only did Green Bay not take a receiver then, they didn't take one at all. And a record like 36 were taken in this draft and they didn't draft a single one of them. So Stewart, you know. So I'm going to take it a step in,
1: further, Austin. Go take ahead. it a step further. As of today, the Packers did, haven't signed a, another wide receiver as an undrafted free agent.
0: I mean, sometimes it's about right place, right time. And I mean, it looks Stewart like uh Yeah. I mean, he's in a, he's in, again, about as good a position as you could possibly, possibly be. in. so super exciting there. Um, next, I'd say probably is a tie between Cody White and Brian Lewerke. Um, Cody White, because he plays for the Chiefs and Felton Davis is, is also there. And that's just a team that, stockpiles offensive weapons. Uh Sammy Watkins also might retire or leave the team. So that could open up an opportunity for him there. Uh, he makes practice squad. It, he's in such a great maybe he's not the most likely to make the roster off opening day, but he is in a phenomenal situation because all it takes is one injury and one big play with Patrick Mahomes and all of a sudden you're the next guy. So Super exciting for him. I would say Luwerke in a great position with the Patriots, if only because a they've shown an affinity for Michigan State players, specifically one Michigan State quarterback in the past, and Brian Hoyer. But also Belichick is, you know, he's not afraid to take a risk on a rando quarterback. So um, the only thing that's downside there is they typically don't carry three quarterbacks. So hopefully he's a practice squad guy. Um, so, so yeah, awesome. So like,
1: let's let's talk about that because you know, there's a likely situation where you'll have Spartans on both the Patriots and the Chiefs fighting for the same roster spot, um, you know, with, with at the wide receiver position, Cody White and Felton Davis, and then in the quarterback room, Brian Hoyer and uh, Brian Lewerke. Um And the Brian Lewerke, Brian Hoyer situation, Brian Lewerke has the advantage of being very cheap. Um, but. Right. You know, in the Cody White, Felton Davis situation, and that's not to say that they're fighting, for, they're, they all couldn't make the rosters. It's just, it's interesting that they are all four of those candidates that I just mentioned, all potentially fighting to make the team against each other.
0: Yeah. How do you feel Another, about. Well,
1: sorry. I was going to say, how do you feel about Felton being injured all year, though? You know, like they're clearly, Chiefs are always looking for more weapons. So. Um, I'd love to see either Felton or Cody make the team.
0: I'd obviously both, but yeah, I mean, Felton, I think has a leg up if only because he should probably know the playbook very well after not being able to play all year last year. Um, and he just kind of fits that Sammy Watkins mold, I think probably a little better than Cody does. Uh, you know, I I think Lewerke again, he's not going to make the team over Hoyer. Yeah. Maybe Hoyer is a little more expensive, but he's also a veteran and just like a Bel- Belichick's brought him back, like legitimately, I think like four or five times he's been a different times. He's been a Patriot. So with a guy like uh, Jared Stidham, probably, probably being the starter, I think they'll hang on to the, to the true backup, but um, I wouldn't be surprised to see the I mean, listen, it, this situation quarterback situation, in New England is totally up in the air. I mean, if, if, you know, Stidham's no good, you know and Hoyer has to sub in for him or something the next year they're starting this process all over again and it might might be that Brian Lewerke gets that opportunity or I mean honestly if nothing else if he impresses in training camp you're going to listen to Bill Belichick for a recommendation sure if he's looking for another job so I mean it's hard to say you know yeah Tom Brady's gone yeah Gronk's gone whatever but um it's still a Patriots. It's still Bill Belichick. So that even if it's just for learning purposes, that's about as good a place as he could land.
1: A name you didn't mention as feeling confident they might make the list was Raquan Williams. And he was a guy that a lot of folks thought maybe could have been even drafted.
0: Yeah, and it's not that it's not anything about Raquan's talent. It's just he's on the Eagles, which is, you know, a a loaded defensive front. And I, the only thing I worry about with Ray Quine is he's just not particularly explosive from a defensive lineman perspective. And he's not particularly like strong, lower body guy. And those are typically at the profile as one of those two things to really make it in a league, unless you find like the perfect scheme fit. And I just don't know enough about that in Philly or anywhere else to say that Ray Quine is going to succeed or not succeed. So, um, He's, yeah, he's just in a tough situation. I have the utmost faith that he could carve out a role. I mean, I I think of, you can never count anybody out because you think of Joel Heath and yep. you think of Garrett Selleck, like guys that, yeah, they played at Michigan State, but we're never, you would never call them standouts in green and white. And yet they carved out NFL careers, Selleck yep. for like nine years. So um, Raekwon certainly the talent to do that. It's just about right place, right time, a lot of the time.
1: That's right. Yeah. And then, you know, rounded out, uh, Tyler Higby was picked up by the Vikings. Again, the thing that he has going for him is if Kirk Cousins has anyone's ear, then right. he can make, make sure. a practice squad.
0: Yeah. And I think between him and panasuk you're just Mike Panašuk to me also sort of landed in a good spot because I can just see him being a guy because of like his just mentality. That John Gruden absolutely loves. Mm, good call. In you know what I mean. In that regard, I could see him, you know, maybe carving out a spot. Or you know, if it was uh, hard knocks again, I'd say he'd be one of the dudes that gets the like profile. Right. As you're rooting for this guy to make the roster, um, and he's plenty talented. He's just never going to blow any- blow anybody away with his athleticism. And I think that that when it comes to making a defensive lineman is kind of a big deal. So. Um, I think that's what's ultimately getting Raekwon and, and Mike probably pushed, pushed off a lot of draft boards.
1: So that brings us to considering that NFL draft streak I mentioned earlier in the pod. Mm-hmm. Does that 80-year streak, is it in jeopardy with the upcoming 2021 candidates? Um, let's just say it's not impossible for all the names will be mentioned to get drafted, but this certainly... These names aren't jumping off the uh, 2021 mock boards
0: right now. Yes. So, I think it's the group that we, like in the last handful of years for MSU, that you feel the least confident in, in in quite a while. So let's talk through maybe
1: least most likely to most likely of these names you think could get drafted next year.
0: Yeah, so I think there's five that really jump out, and they're not even all seniors, which I think is kind of the scary part. Um, But the five names I've got listed here are Kevin Jarvis, Antoine Simmons, Xavier Henderson, Naquan Jones, and Matt Allen. Um, I think the most draftable of those, and he is a junior, so he would have to declare, is Kevin Jarvis. Uh, he the, the one downside to him is the injury bug, but we see injured players get drafted all the time. If he can go through this season healthy, he's a kid that's played both tackle positions to guard. He's played center. He's a mauler. He's actually got NFL size. Uh, he's the type of kid that when I look at the Detroit Lions and who they took. They took Logan Stenberg from Kentucky, and they took Jonah Jackson from Ohio State. He's in that same mold physically, maybe a little smaller. Um, and he's got more positional versatility than either of them had. So I think he has a good shot at getting drafted. The next for me would be Antoine Simmons. Only thing with Antoine is that uh, I think five or nah, maybe 10 years ago, he probably would be in a really tough spot to get drafted regardless of how good he was because he just is a tweener in the, in the NFL. But um he also just flies to the ball makes impact plays can really tackle. He's never going to have ideal size, but I think especially mid to late rounds um, teams will make an exception, especially if he comes out and uh, has another stellar year. I think those two are the most likely the other three um, the safety for me, Xavier Henderson is third. The reason being uh, he has a really high ceiling and I think he only needs to come out and have one really good year, kind of be a captain ish of that defense. Um, and he could get drafted. I mean, you look at I mean God, Monte Nicholson got drafted. I think Xavier Henderson has a maybe a slightly less exciting physical profile, but certainly takes can take better lines to the ball. Um, Naquan Jones, fourth. I, I think I can see Naquan Jones being the one that jumps up because you know in terms of tread on the tires for defensive linemen, he's going to have the least of probably any, or not any, but like mo- a low amount comparable to the rest of the defensive line class. Cause you know, he's a part of rotation for his first three years in, in college. And mm-hmm. now it's his chance to shine. If he actually does shine, um, he talk about a guy with the size, he's got better size and, and, and measurables, especially lower body than Raekwon did. So he could go. And then Matt Allen, I think I included fifth here because uh, family name, uh, you know, Brian Allen, I think everyone was surprised got drafted where he did. Jack obviously was uh, was an NFL prospect, didn't quite make it, but um, Matt Allen physically is probably near-ish to Brian um, and, and could, could do it. So those are the five that jump off the page. Now, there's obviously always room for other guys. I mean, Jaden Reed, for example, if he comes out and has a great year, could take off and, and go to the go to the NFL, Matt Dotson, it's the tight end rumors are true and he can not drop a million balls. Um, you know, he could be considered, uh, probably not, but Jacob Panashuk is another guy that's going to be in the mix. I don't know. His athleticism is probably not where it needs to be, but um, yeah, it's, there is opportunity. There's going to be a lot of new faces. So you might hear some new names as the year goes on. Um, yeah. Those five are probably the, the, the five best candidates.
1: So, I want to, I want to, I know you mentioned, uh, Matt Dotson for me. And I'm, I, I know you're the tight end guy on the podcast, <laughs> but I think there is something to be said about you can't teach size. He has, he has NFL tight end size. It's not elite size, but it's six five two fifty. 250, right? Yep. Can he block? Well, can he block? I don't know is he fast enough to play in the NFL? He's not, he's not. Let's just put it this way. He hasn't he's he's not slow enough to that it's a problem. Right. What he has going for him is and again, we don't know how it'll play out, but if this Michigan State offensive scheme is does the highlights the tight end, let's just say he has a chance to get the numbers to get noticed.
0: Yeah. And if you can just, I mean, honestly, what he has to clean up and the only problem is he did get hurt. I believe he tore his Achilles. So his Achilles, it's going to be enough. interesting. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how healthy he is. That's another big thing. But if he was healthy and, you know, can catch the ball, he got a chance to do something. I mean, I would even say that the same thing kind of goes for Trenton Gillison. Like mm-hmm. I'll go out on that limb again. He's going to be a junior um, and he talked about a physical profile, this kid, if he can actually use this off season to kind of get into a little better shape, uh, if he's going to be focused and, and featured, I think we saw what he could do in the pinstripe bowl. He's got speed. He's got size. He can catch the ball. Uh, he can, he's a pretty good athlete for that size. So that's another kid that, uh, under the right circumstances, I think could be, um, you're really projecting when you talk about him, but you know, uh, I think there's, there's some possibility there as well. We're a little desperate,
1: you know, as we mentioned, this, We're uh, desperate. <laughs> this class is light and that 80 year streak is so heavy that it's just like you want it to <laughs> you want to keep it going if you can. Awesome. Yeah, so and you- it's funny because
0: you, you get past that, though. Sorry, you get past next year. And I think it gets a little bit more oh, clear. Yeah. you got guys like, you know, probably Elijah Collins. You've got Jaden Reed officially will be going somewhere. Some of these other defensive linemen. So uh, I think there's a lot, you know after this year this is kind of like the one you gotta you, you gotta get through and like seriously shout out to all those teams it's crazy when you think back to john l you think back to bobby williams like even those teams had at least one player get drafted like that's that's pretty incredible
1: mm-hmm. i know it's wild to think about um do you want to take a commercial break
0: today's episode is brought to you by cars.com yes i do ready three two one break damn we're
1: back i hope that worked
0: i think i think this it's is our fun- favorite game this is our favorite game to play every week True. we just have no idea if we're doing it right truly uh,
1: one of the most amusing parts of my day um <laughs> we got a great idea from a friend on twitter tyler uh, osman i hope i pronounced that correctly um thought we might want to rank football coaches who could benefit the most from there being no season this year. Um, that was a really interesting topic. Um, so we wanted to talk about a handful of coaches who not only could benefit if there, who would benefit if there was no season, but also would hurt the most if there was no season. But let's start at the beginning. Who do you think, you know, in the big 10 really, um, you know, maybe wouldn't be too upset if, if the, uh, NCAA canceled the season.
0: Um, you know, it's, it's interesting to think about this question from a variety of standpoints, Mm -hmm. because I think there's kind of like, there's, there's kind of two camps, um, or really really three. There's, there's the people whose season went so well last year that, that I think they would be comfortable riding that high for as long (laughs) as possible. Okay. Uh, And to me, that's somebody like PJ Fleck, I think is right up at the top. I mean, there's the, there's a downside to it for him, for sure, because you add a program like Minnesota, you really want to keep doing the recruiting to keep that, that pump gin, because, you know, you just don't know how long a good thing is going to last. Right. Um, But the other side is, you know, that you could ride that. out. He might not be my number one, but he's definitely in there. I the the other obvious one to me is <laughs> Greg Schiano. Mm. Uh, listen, the less Rutgers football that you can make people have to actually see with their own eyes, the better. He can at, he as long as he can, he can sell a vision for like for as long as the as the NCAA will legally allow him to, he should take that amount of time um, <laughs> because as soon as it hits the field, like right now, it's like when Chris Ash or anybody else got hired there, you're like, oh, they come from a decent place. Oh, they could maybe do it. Da, da, da. And then they hit the field and you're like, oh, wait, that's right. This mm-hmm. is still Rutgers. And I feel like that uh, in this situation, you know, might, might happen again. So we'll yeah, see, no but those are those are kind of the first two that jump out to me.
1: Yeah. I mean, like you put, you put uh, coach K uh, and you, and you have him coach, you know sisters of the poor you're not going to great there's only so much you can do right so right. <laughs> you know and then there's you mentioned the to a lesser extent i feel that way about Loxley at maryland yep. um, that, that that dude what he does best is recruit and if his job was recruiting they might actually build to get put together a nice roster now the actual play calling i don't know Jury's out on if he can do that, right? Right. But if his but if you told him there was no football season, he'd be like, Great. Like my job yeah. is to do the thing that I'm best at. Hell yes. Right. All the that. time. Exactly. Awesome. That's where Loxley's at for me, because Maryland's team is very meh and they could right. they could afford to go another season of like Rutgers. No one has to watch this.
0: Yeah, I think it's it's a better I, I think that's a good one. And I think the one that, you know, we've been kind of dancing around wanting to talk about it, but I, I think Jim Harbaugh is maybe, maybe the number one in this category mm. um, for a couple reasons. First of all, he just had 10 players get drafted. Yep. That is some serious fodder for uh, recruiting. Again, a guy who just loves to recruit. Second, four of those guys were linemen, which means he has to replace four offensive linemen. The longer he can wait until he has to trot that out, probably the better for him as well. But, uh, third, he, and really most importantly, it's another year where he doesn't have to lose to Ohio State. Mm. Like the longer, they are off-season champs every single year, and the longer that off-season can last, you know, kind of the the better for him. I think his seat is probably, it's definitely not hot. I don't think that it by any, I, I wouldn't say that, um, but I I would say that it's as hot as it's been relative to other years. So to cool that down a little bit, take a little extra time and convince people that, hey, everything's going to be different when this all comes back, you know, that would benefit him quite a bit.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. And, you know, this, you know, fair or not, uh, that Michigan schedule is just screams nine and three. Now the difference is figuring out if Michigan – fans and alums and donors have learned anything from the Lloyd Carr, uh, days, you know, where they ran him out of town for doing exactly that going nine
0: and three. So firing, did they pay attention?
1: We'll see. Um, or will history repeat itself? Uh, and they go hire like a lane Kiffin.
0: Um, wouldn't that be great? uh, Um, Another one that's worth putting in here before we get to the guys who it would hurt is I will say, I think Mel Tucker, uh, same, I'll go on the record. Same thing. It's, it's the same thing, uh, in a in a lot of ways, the undefeated or the, the unknown is undefeated. And I think MSU fans are feeling pretty positive. We'll talk about the recruits that have come in since we last spoke, but, um, you know, the longer he has to build up a roster, I mean, if you gave him two recruiting classes worth of players instead of one. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, that's, that's, first of all, it's unprecedented. Second of all, it's, uh, it's hard to overstate how important that influx of talent would be for a roster like Michigan state. Like that's a a huge, huge, huge deal. Um, So I definitely, I don't think he's, I don't think anybody in, in that's associated with sports is rooting for no college football season. Even a delayed season would really greatly benefit Michigan State. More time in the film room, more time to start your culture, more time to concentrate solely on recruiting, which, like it or not, is the most important part of the program at the moment. Um, And something that he's clearly, he and his staff have, A, prioritized, and B, are very, very good at. Uh, You know, I think it would benefit uh, Coach Tucker as much or more than anybody else if this season was delayed.
1: Yeah, I, I can get behind that. He's a he's in a little better position than Loxley at Maryland, basically.
0: So yeah, well, he doesn't have any proof in the pudding. There's no six and six or four and eight season sure. to tie to his name. Like in the und- the unknown, it's like the backup quarterback. It's the Damian Terry effect. Everybody wanted <laughs> what they thought was gonna be good, or because you have no, you don't have anything positive to tie to it, but you don't have anything negative to tie to it either. So you know, um, I think that there's. Uh, yeah, Again, the last thing in the world I want is no college football season. I'll even take it if it's in the spring. But, uh, yeah, I think, you know, a delay even would help Michigan State.
1: So let's switch gears. Um, the folks who would hurt the most if there was no season, I humbly submit P.J. Fleck. I know he was in the other side <laughs> for you. I don't think P.J. Fleck is long for Minnesota. And – and that's why I think he needs, he needs this season because he needs another, the momentum will die. You know, it's just not going to maintain. Um, and he's riding a high, he needs to put together a night, another nice season. And so he can get the hell out of there and go to USC. Um, <laughs> cause you know, that's what's coming.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. When you think about it from a personal perspective, yeah, I think that's that's a a very fair take on um on PJ's situation. Maybe it's working in Minnesota's benefit more than anything else to have oh, yeah. uh this delay. Keep him around as long as possible.
1: Absolutely. Um I should note that <laughs> Pitino... I don't know if we've talked about this, but little Patino also at Minnesota, you better Mm -hmm. like write serious, serious thank you cards and send all these gifts to Fleck because (laughs) every dollar that that university can scrounge up has been thrown and guaranteed money to PJ Fleck as they should, right? Like that is a smart thing to do because all their money is tied up there. Patino juniors buyout is, it's insurmountable there's no there's no money to go get because it's all tied up with pj fleck so patino gets to be stay in the big 10 for like his god i think it's like a seventh year and he's just terrible
0: with nothing to show for it
1: well yeah because all the money in the athletic department's tied up with something more important right now
0: (laughs) yeah like Thanks, Richard. We're we're good. We got you. We got like. Well, they just, want we him to go, but together. they
1: can't do anything.
0: Right. That's hysterical.
1: Oh man. That's a great Sorry. point.
0: What else uh, do you think? Another one that I had was uh, Scott Frost. Mm-hmm. Scott Frost is in a Harbaugh-ish situation where, uh, but I I think it's the other the other side of that coin where he had such a bad season that and under underachieved so greatly that the sooner they can play the better he's probably pushing to play next week um, mm-hmm. just to get that taste out of out of their mouths because all that happens is if they don't play the longer they don't play the longer Nebraska fans notoriously patient um, mm. have the ability to sit back and remember oh last season sucked like they're all sitting in their houses right now under quarantine being like Yeah, this sucks, but you know what was worse? Last football season. Um, So I I think that Scott Frost is probably chief among uh, this group that would be damaged. Not that he's going to go anywhere, but like if he comes out whenever they play this season and only wins four games or five games or whatever, uh, that seat gets real hot real quick. Are you you
1: ready for the the Frost-Nebraska fraudulent hype train that will begin?
0: Uh, it's yeah, going to happen. Here's every I want year.
1: you to, if this season happens, I want you to hear their schedule, and just the ESPN and the obnoxiousness that will happen here mm-hmm. on the yes is is Nebraska backtrain. It goes home against Purdue, home against Central Michigan, home against South Dakota State, home against Cincinnati. Okay, boy. At, so Cincinnati, that's a trap but four four homes in a row okay and then you go at northwestern which is a home game for <laughs> any big 10 team especially nebraska who travels so well home against illinois by at ruckers so wow
0: i wow, don't what count one game in there where struggle. i'm like what's that I said, what an easy schedule. Holy crap.
1: Well, that's what I mean. Like, I only count Cincinnati in there as one that they could trip on. Okay. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six. That's seven and oh, going into at Ohio State, home against Penn State, at Iowa, at Wisconsin, home against Minnesota.
0: Wow. <laughs> that's the, uh, that would be what they call the other sh- other shoe. It's, uh, uh, that's it's, it's that. Tricky. Things are going to get ugly quick. Can Scott Frost, he's probably wondering, can I take a new job in the middle of this? Can I get an offer to job six games into a year? I think that's what Scott's he probably would,
1: going for. He would do so well to just skate town after beating Rutgers and being 7-0 oh, and 6-1. Yeah. Just get out of there.
0: It, it It's probably going to be the peak for him. Oh, yeah. That Rutgers victory. Ah, Everybody (laughs) remembers. (laughs) The other one we
1: thought um, was maybe not on people's radar because this guy is never on anyone's radar. Tom Allen. Um, Indiana, although they've not quite gotten over that hump of the Big Ten East, they do have a uh, momentum and are riding um, a lot of, I guess you would say excitement in Bloomington about football, um, which is, sure. new. I mean, there's the basketball fans are paying attention to football for the first time in a long time. And that falls right apart the moment you don't have a season and people will easily forget that you existed. So especially <laughs> when, you know, Trace Jackson Davis said he's coming back this year and I could just hear Tom Allen in his office being like, ah, "Damn it, damn
0: it, oh, man. I forgot about I can't us have again." Distractions to my team. Well, uh, IU fans probably got the "Hey, we're letting you push back your season tickets" email, and they're like, oh, "They're still doing this,
1: huh?" Oh, good for <laughs> them. Cool.
0: Why isn't this about Trace Jackson Davis? <laughs> exactly. Please. why are you emailing me about things that aren't related to trace jackson <laughs> yeah in
1: um, fact i'm offended
0: i'm offended i'm you know what i was gonna buy your tickets no i'm not because you keep annoying me um that's the hoosier way
1: the only so, yeah, way i, think I gotta think, think austin i gotta think the only way they sell football tickets is you have to buy uh like season tickets to basketball
0: yeah, like it's a it's a buy one get one type of deal. Like you, it's an add on. Yeah. A, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Or it's it's yeah y- exactly. It's a it's an add on. It's like um, picking the extra like multicolor foam at the drive-through um, car wash. You're Like I don't need this, <laughs> but maybe it'll be fun. The kids will laugh. Like we'll we'll have a good time.
1: <laughs> it's near the basketball uh arena so whatever
0: it's it's also sports um (laughs) yeah so that's that's an interesting one i think the final one might be ryan day Mm -hmm. uh if only because he clearly likes winning and that's something that he won't be able to do if there aren't games
1: well not just that i mean they are the buckeyes are rightfully probably the number two most likely national championship candidate behind clemson um you know, they lost a lot in the draft, but
0: they also have a lot coming back, including yeah. their quarterback. Stupid. It's 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 stupid. They they are, if they haven't been for a while, officially in that Bama tier where you 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 can't go into a season with them, even if they lost a quarterback. And be like, well, they got to replace a lot of guys. It's like, well, yeah, yes, they do. And guess what? The guys that are behind these guys are better or as good as the mm-hmm. guys that they're replacing. Like there's the drop off will never be anything aside from 10 and two. Like it's just never like, if it's worse than that, it is a. Like Yeah. Like Ryan Day is probably getting fired. He'll if get fired. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's that level of talent now. So, yeah, I would agree. Ryan Day, aside from the fact that he's wouldn't get to win games if there's no season. Um, I mean, they have a legitimate, you know, they're going to be national championship contenders. So that's that's obviously a big deal.
1: Yeah, you'd think so. I mean, they are the heavy favorite to win the Big Ten. Um, Their over-under win total projection this year
0: is 11. So, <laughs>
1: which is just a Jeez
0: Louise, man. That's, it. it oh, wow. You, you can, know, we talk about it and we're like, would that even be fun? yeah it probably would
1: and like, i want you to think about this austin i want you to think about this in a in a year it's at 11 in a year that their second game is at oregon and they play at penn state and for what it's worth i'll pat us on the back and say at michigan state
0: uh, it's still a game but i
1: mean like i mean those are two top 10 games probably right
0: yeah Away games. Yeah, I mean, Your I would think so. Over under win total is still eleven. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's insane. It, it's they're they're a caliber of program that uh, I think maybe one or two others can claim to be. Like, I think it's Clemson, Ohio State, and Bama. LSU, I even the national champions. I'm ch- ch- eh, national champions, I don't even put in in that realm just I yet. Think, so
1: yeah, I think we need to see LSU kind of you know be a playoff i guess for maybe like a maybe another year before they're in that yeah.
0: world it's the year in year out nature of it and these teams have been in how i mean combined have probably been to like 15 playoffs maybe more right <laughs> uh right. which is just just plain insane so i think those are probably the guys that that get hurt the most um so
1: you mentioned a couple of recruits came in um in, yeah in huge areas of need actually well one we're excited No, I'd for say I'd reasons. say both of them. We're excited for different reasons. let's talk about our our
0: newest uh, big boy band wagon member. Uh, yes. Um the the first one to talk about is the offensive lineman, the most recent commit and that is Kevin Wigginton the 2nd. Um a, a large man. Uh, checks in at 6'5" Uh, he's an offensive guard, could play tackle. He's got the size to play kind of wherever. Um, probably a guard because he's a run blocker more than anything else at this point in his career, from what I've read. Um, when he goes to the Hun School yep. in New Jersey, which is an, not a new place for Michigan State historically, but definitely a, 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 a big-time school. A school that, honestly, that Michigan has recruited really well in the past. Um, so to get, you know, a big offensive lineman from there – listen – I would allow, I would be comfortable if Michigan State signed 10 offensive line recruits every single year. So the more, uh, the merrier, in, in my opinion. He's not the first. He's the second uh, O-lineman in this class, along with uh, Dallas Fincher, who um, was, or excuse me, not Dallas Fincher. Who is, that? Who is Dallas Fincher? Um, Ethan Boyd is the person I'm thinking of. Dallas
1: uh, Fincher uh, was a recruit. Yeah. Uh, and actually, I believe signed with Michigan State.
0: Yeah. So I could just have had a total like PTSD moment there. But um, Ethan Boyd, 6'7 offensive tackle, uh, another uh, member of that recruiting class, obviously awesome. Um, the other guy is quarterback Hampton Fay, 6'5 210 from Fort Worth, Texas. Um, exciting for a couple of reasons. First of all, size wise, again, 6'5 quarterback, never a bad thing. Uh, also a quarterback from Texas, super exciting. Currently a three-star, but I was not a football genius here, but watch his film, and he is—he does not seem like a a three-star. He was hurt his last year, uh, and apparently that kind of held back some of his recruiting. So it sounds like MSU might have found a diamond in the rough here. They love to take one quarterback a class or have historically, so we'll see what, what Mel Tucker's group does with that. Um, if they do more or less, um, but I think just to zoom out and put a bow on this episode, MSU's eight commits so far in a tweet from Colton Pouncy are Ethan Boyd, six seven offensive tackle; Tyson Watson, six six defensive end; Kevin Wiginton, six six offensive lineman; Hamp Fay, six five quarterback; Derek Harmon, six four defensive tackle; Gabe Neely, six four corner; Davion Prim and Antoine Booth both check in at six feet. We heard a lot from Mel Tucker about recruiting for size and profile. Uh, the proof is in the pudding so far with the eight kids who have come in all very large boys and uh, will, if nothing else, Michigan state will look good in shorts and look good getting off the bus. Well, and we know Mel loves to wear shorts.
1: So this, this all checks out. <laughs> yes,
0: it does. Uh, so super exciting. We'll keep everybody posted on more recruits as they come. Um, but yeah, apparently, you know, the, the recruiting train is rolling, which is exciting.
1: Yeah. It's, it's uh it's a light part of my day to see that, uh, gif of the hammer.
0: Absolutely
1: uh, love it. It, it. It's really, it really gets me through this quarantine. Um, so, you know, we have a few things, um, you know, as the news comes in over the next couple of weeks, we will, uh, see if it's worth of having a podcast. We obviously thought there was today. Um, hopefully there's, News continues to trickle in, and um, if you but if you have ideas for us, you have things you want us to definitely talk about. Um, don't hesitate to uh, send in some thoughts.
0: Yeah, please do. Uh, we always appreciate hearing from you guys, and the more content, the better. So you guys just let us know what you want to hear, and we'll be back. So uh, TBD on when, but uh, as soon as something's worth talking about, we'll talk about it. So um, anything else, John?
1: That's it for me. Awesome.
0: All right, guys. Well, as always, thanks for tuning in. We appreciate it. Uh, enjoy your quarantine, stay safe and healthy, and we will catch you all soon. See ya.